0: This morning we could hear that the sign of a virgin giving birth to a son named Emmanuel was a sign presented to which we need to respond with faith. And in Lord's Day 14, we as a congregation, as a church, do respond that we believe that he is our Lord, and we'll read the wording of that confession of the church. It's in the Heidelberg Catechism, the Book of Praise. Page 528, Lord's Day 14. And here the church confesses, What do you confess when you say he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary? The eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took upon himself true human nature from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary. Through the working of the Holy Spirit. Thus he is also the true seed of David, and like his brothers in every respect, yet without sin. What benefit do you receive from the holy conception and birth of Christ? He is our mediator, and with his innocence and perfect holiness, covers in the sight of God my sin in which I was conceived and born. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the gospel that I preach to you today that we confess as a church is that Christmas is not about Santa Claus, but about the Son of the Most High. Christmas is not about presents you give to others, but about the presence of God among men. Christmas is not just about spending time with family, but it is about the salvation of all who believe in Jesus Christ and join themselves to the family of God, his church. At Christmas time, we celebrate the birth of the Son of God, who took on human nature so that he could be the human that would die for the sins of all who believe in him. When we look at Luke chapter 1 and the announcement of Jesus' birth to his mother Mary, it is clear to see that the incarnation, the the coming into the flesh of the Son of God, although it is incomprehensible, it is still something that is describable. It is described to us. Although we don't know how Jesus could be at the same time the son of God, so 100% God and divine, and the son of Mary, so 100% human, we are able to confess that we believe this, that we believe that he has two natures, and we believe that this is very good news for us, for the world to hear. And I preach you the gospel of Christmas, the gospel that we confess in response to the sign that the Lord has given to us. The Virgin Mary gave birth to her child, who was the Son of the Most High. And we'll see how Jesus' birth was like our birth. We'll see in the second place how Jesus' birth was unlike our birth. And then in the third place, how Jesus' birth changes our birth. While reading Luke chapter 1, we can see that if Jesus' neighbors, or maybe Joseph and Mary's neighbors, if they never learned about what we read in our text, they would not know immediately that Jesus' birth was different from the birth of their own children. Luke 1 verse 26 and following shows us that, that Mary was a real person who lived in a real city and that she was in a real relationship with a real man who could trace his ancestry back thousands of years. We read that God sent his angel Gabriel to a city called Nazareth. Nazareth was in north a northern region of Israel a region called Galilee. And it was clear from the beginning that God was coming down from heaven to earth to carry out his plans. God was acting in time in a visible way. Just like you can tell me exactly where you were born, our Lord Jesus could could take a map and he could point you to the exact place where he was born so that you could even go there and stand on it. Like our birth, his birth was real. It happened on our planet, and it was in a certain time in history. Luke 1 tells us that Gabriel told a woman here on earth that she would give birth to a child. Like you, the Lord Jesus had a mom, had a mummy. He could point to a woman who was perplexed by the man who greeted her, who tried to discern what he was trying to say when he announced that she was highly favored, that the Lord was with her. Like your mother, Mary had the body of a woman. And she understood that ordinarily she needed to be married to a man like, like Joseph in order to have a baby. After Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph gave birth to several other children in the ordinary way. Luke 1 also makes it clear that like your mother, Mary was not sinless and all-knowing. God did not choose Mary to be Jesus' mother because she was perfect and, and without sin, immaculate but because he himself, God himself, had favored her. He had shown his grace to her. Mary, in her song, she recognized the the mercy of God to her in her humble state when she sang that song. And like any other sinful mother in Israel, also Mary needed to offer sacrifices for her purification after the birth of her son, Jesus. Although she didn't doubt the word of God, Mary had some questions. You could say that's like our mothers as well. Sometimes we have questions about what God is calling us to. And Mary had questions about how the angel's word would be fulfilled. Mary was eager to see what was in store for her, what the Lord had prepared for her. And so when the, the angel said, there's a sign, you can go visit your, your relative, Elizabeth, she, she traveled all the way to the hill country of Judah to meet her pregnant relative, to, to see the sign that the Lord had given to her. She was learning about her task in God's plan. The angel mentions, and it almost comes a little awkwardly in, in verse 31, that Mary would conceive in your womb, he says, and bear a son. That's very clear, to conceive in your womb. It's it's an emphatic statement that Mary had a regular womb that had formed inside her in the same way that your mother's womb grew inside of her. Like any human being, Jesus began small, and he grew as cells joined together, and the body was was knit together. Jesus received nourishment from the food that his mommy, Mary, was eating. Jesus shared in his mother's flesh and blood, and he inherited her traits, his face. His torso, his, his limbs, his hands, and his feet were, were slowly shaped over the regular period of pregnancy. And Luke tells us then when Jesus was born, he, he says it in a very simple sentence. It doesn't draw any attention. Mary gave birth to her firstborn. And so we see it was an ordinary birth. That's why we confess the Son of God took upon himself true human nature, from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary. And when Jesus took on Mary's flesh and blood, he also took on her lineage, her her family line. He became a true part of her, her family line. Gabriel knew that he was talking to a woman who was of the house of David, the house and line of David, a, a woman who was betrothed to a man from the same line of David. Just like you, you can say that you have the blood of your ancestors coursing through your veins. Sometimes you can even see family resemblances to some of your, your ancestors. So the Lord Jesus could speak of David as his father. In fact, the angel even says that in your father David. Jesus was a, a Ben David. Ben is, is a word in Hebrew that means son, a son of David. Or if we use maybe Dutch, you could say he was a van David. A true seed of David. Like his brothers in every respect, yet without sin, we read in Hebrews. Twice in his letter to the Romans, Paul affirms that Jesus belonged to the race of the Israelites, the line of David according to the flesh. And when you walked in, you could have seen that. Romans 9 verse 5 was displayed on the wall, emphasizing the lineage, the Davidic lineage of Jesus Christ. And the gospel message is that Jesus is real. Real. Jesus is not a a concept. He's not a philosophy of men. Jesus had a real human body. He has a real human soul and spirit. And that human body grew up, started in the womb, was born, and he continued to grow. Even if you could find The manger and the place where he was born, you would no longer see him there. His heart is beating somewhere else. His eyes are looking at the world from the vantage point of his heavenly, eternal throne. This is because he is also different than we are. Not because he is less than human, but because in addition to being human, He is the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the man, the Son of Mary, is also the Son of God. And then we see that his birth was unlike our birth. And Luke 1 reveals in how that is, we read that Gabriel was sent from God, chapter 1, verse 26, to announce the birth of Mary's son, And he says that the Son will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. A reference to God, the Most High. Now, it was quite rare in the history of the world to have an angel announce a human's coming birth. But it did happen. And even in the cases where it did happen, in the case of Isaac or, or Samson we still see a major difference. And the major difference is whenever an angel did announce the coming uh, coming birth of a child, it never happened that the person who would be born as a baby was the same person who sent the angel to make the announcement. Unlike any human before him, Jesus was the first person to exist Before he was born, he was the first human to send an angel to a woman to announce his birth. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that before he took on human nature, before he took the form of a servant, the Son of God was in the glory of heaven. Before he became incarnate, before he took on flesh, before he took on flesh, the second person of the Trinity, we read in John 1, had created the world. The Son of God had been pledged ahead of time to be the, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. Genesis 3, verse 15, you can read also about that in Revelation chapter 12. He had been promised to be the one who would save his people from their sins. The same God who sent the angel, of Ga- or the angel Gabriel to announce the birth was the one who would be born. As we confess, the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took upon himself true human nature. So unlike our birth, the Son of God shows the exact moment when he would be born in the exact place in the world. Galatians 4 verse 4 says that Jesus was born at the, the fullness of time, pointing to the, the plan of God ahead of time. It's in fulfillment of several Old Testament promises from different times and different situations that had predicted the virgin birth, coming from the nation of Israel, in the line of David, in the town of Bethlehem at the time of the Roman occupation. Although the date, the place of your birth were also known to God ahead of time, it was not the focus of attention of the whole Old Testament as it was for Jesus Christ. It was not a birth that was looked forward to with, with the hope and the anticipation that preceded the Messiah's birth, like we saw this morning, that anticipation of Isaiah crying out, Oh, Emmanuel. The angel Gabriel had talked to Daniel about the timing of the promised Messiah already in Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 9. And it was fitting then that he could be the angel to tell Mary that she would be the servant that the Son of God would use when he took on human flesh. Unlike your mother. Jesus heard that her son would be called Jesus. Because he would save his people from their sins. Mary learned that her son is the specific fulfillment of, of promises spoken years ago. When, when God told David that his throne would be established Forever. Realize the significance of this when we sing Psalm 89 and Psalm 132. Those Psalms were written way before the Lord Jesus was born. There was an anticipation building, and Mary heard that her son was the fulfillment. The birth of Jesus has a central place in the ongoing fulfillment of the eternal plan of God. And Jesus Christ, Mary hears, would be the eternal king. The Son of God is the antitype king that served as the model of the Old Testament kings that God would use to point to his coming. And the Son of God also came to fulfill the office of king perfectly, so that there would never be a need to find a king to take his place. This is a a moment in history that cannot be repeated. Unlike, it was a different birth than the births, the common birth today. Gabriel promised that Mary's son Jesus would receive the throne of his father David. And then that he would reign over the house of Jacob covenant believers, he would reign over over his church forever. And then we read, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's verses 32 and verses 33. The angel explained that all this was true because Mary's child, unlike any other child ever born to any woman, was at the same time son of the Most High. The angel's answer to Mary's question, and you could see her question in verse 34 How will this be since I am a virgin? Well, his answer to that question reveals that he understood that Mary was not only wondering how it would be possible for her to have a child at all, but even more how she could give birth to the Son of God, to the Son of the Most High. The angel's answer is that Jesus' conception would be unlike any that had ever happened before or would ever happen again. The sign that Isaiah had promised some 700 years before would be fulfilled, and a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son, and she would give him the name Emmanuel. The angel explains that it would be a miracle. So it happened that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, the power of the Most High overshadowed her and what was conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit. It's an important part of our confession as a church. We stand up. That's an article of faith and an amazing miracle that the angel explains in our text. Mary had a child without ever being with a man. Although God himself told Joseph that he must not be afraid to take Mary home as his wife, and that Joseph had to be Jesus' earthly father. Joseph was only thought to be Jesus' biological father. Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to her son, Jesus, the Son of the Most High. It was a miracle. The angel sums it up when he says, nothing is impossible with God. And the best part of all this as we think about our confession is that all this happened exactly this way, exactly at that time for our benefit, for our comfort. This becomes very clear when we see the joy of Elizabeth and and baby John in in verses 39 to to 45 of Luke chapter 1. And when we reflect on, on the joy of Mary's song. We see that his birth changes our birth. Mary embraced the mission she received from God. See that in verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, she says. And then she followed the the, the pointing finger of the angel Gabriel to her relative Elizabeth who lived in the hill country of Judah. And God used Elizabeth to help Mary understand the significance of of the birth of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, we read, spoke through Elizabeth. That's verse 41. Saying, verse 42, Blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed, who embraced the sign. Mary responds with a song magnifies the Lord. A song that recognizes that the child in her womb, and she says it, is the merciful Savior. The one who was promised to the church already in the days of Abraham. And we see the joy of these women. It draws our attention. Why is this birth so important for us? John explains in chapter 1 of his gospel. It was the word who became flesh and made his dwelling among the people who were walking in darkness. The Gospel of John tells us that it was wonderful because the Lord Jesus became the doorway to the glory of the Father. Because all who believe in Jesus Christ, all who believe in his name are given the right to become children of God. Since Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and not conceived and born in sin, he was untouched by original sin. He was born innocent and perfectly holy. As perfect God and perfect man, we confess Jesus has become our perfect mediator. He is the one who can stand before between the holy God revealed in the vision of Isaiah 6 and all those who are cleansed the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2, verses 14 to 18, teaches us that the very reason that the Son of God took on human flesh and blood, that he entered the womb of Mary and was was born as, as a little baby, the very reason he did this was so that he would be able to die in your place and destroy death deliver all the covenant children of Abraham from their fear of death by making propitiation for sins. That means by by covering over the sins of all who believe in him. Jesus Christ is able to be your substitute sacrifice because he became a complete and a true human being. And since he was innocent and Perfectly holy. He is able to cover the sins of all who believe in him. That's the, the joy of the gospel of Christmas that we proclaim and that we confess. As Simeon said, the boy Jesus, the, G, the boy Jesus that he was holding in his arms, he said, This boy is God the Savior, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to his people, Israel. How different your life would be if there had been no virgin birth of a child who received the name Jesus. Life without the Christmas message. How futile our existence would be if God had left us in our rebellion and sins, if he had let King Ahaz do his own thing and and forgotten about the house of David, if he had given us what our sins deserve, we would spend our days like rats in a race, running after glittering lights and Christmas gifts, only to be consumed by the serpent waiting at the end. Our unkind, our children, our children, would be born to punishment from God, born to futility, born to suffering, born just for this rat race and slavery to an unkind master that hates them, born to live in fear of death. We would mouth the name Jesus, the holy infant so tender and mild, perhaps boisterously sing about joy in the world because the Lord has come. But the words, the words would be nothing more than some interesting cultural folklore from a bygone generation being used to encourage consumers to open their wallets a little wider. If there had been no virgin birth, of a child who was at the same time the Son of the Most High, we would live our lives without hope, without a mediator to stand in our place on the day of judgment. And then we see the good news of Christmas. The gospel of Christmas is not Santa Claus, but the Son of God. Good news of Christmas which God promised beforehand through his prophets in holy scriptures that concerns his son. We believe and confess that God's son was descended from David according to the flesh. That he is our savior. The virgin Mary gave birth to her child who was the son of the most high. He was fully human so that he could obey God for you so that he could take your place under the wrath of God when he died on the cross. He was fully God so that he could bear the burden of God's wrath against your sins. He sets you free. He gives you hope. He gives you life. He makes it a joy to give birth to children because we give birth to children who have the promise of eternal life. And he now stands before the Father on your behalf as an advocate, as a, as, a, as a lawyer defending you, a mediator. Hebrews 7 says he continually intercedes before the Father on your behalf. That is the joy of Christmas. Let us celebrate with our hearts and our minds to the glory of our eternal king who sits on the throne forever and ever. Amen. And we'll do that standing, if you're able to stand, as we respond to this message with singing the last stanzas of hymn 17. Hymn 17, stanzas four, five, and six, which are the words that the mother of our Lord sang so many years ago. Before him, seventeen stanzas four, five, and six. <clears throat>